Welcome to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights, and news so they can maximize their commercial programs and achieve best practice. Huge awareness, it's no surprise that Toyota leverages sponsorships as part of its marketing mix. At Toyota, they work hard to create some of the highest quality vehicles on the road, but there is more to their story. They're also finding innovative ways to advance society with cutting-edge technology and their commitment to creating a positive impact on people, local communities and the environment. They believe that when good ideas are shared, great things can happen. So, every day, they work to apply their know-how in ways that benefit others. And by sharing their principles and practices with their community, they drive towards a better world. Toyota believes that mobility goes beyond cars and wants to support people in their efforts to get across town, across a room, and through life. Toyota also believes in the power of sport and its ability to connect people with diverse backgrounds as they compete with mutual respect towards a common goal. Through sport, the Olympic and Paralympic Games bring together the entire world to celebrate the highest realisation of humanity, and it is the elite Paralympic athletes who truly demonstrate that when a person is free to move, anything is possible. And to take us into what that really means at Toyota and the wider sponsorship portfolio, we welcome Deidre DeLilly, Group Manager, Sponsorship Marketing at Toyota. Hi, I'm Daniel Oyston, host of Inside Sponsorship, and you're listening to episode 119, brought to you by Core Software. I don't know about you, but it feels like the first two months or so of 2023 was kind of slow, but now all of a sudden there is so much going on. I'm so busy with work and life and all those sorts of things. However, it's great to have you listening in to another episode of Inside Sponsorship, no matter where you are in the world or what your connection is with the sponsorship industry. Once again, two shows in a row, there's no shout outs. So, If you're a long-time listener or even a new one, when you get the chance, reach out on LinkedIn, drop me a note, say hi, let me know a little bit about yourself, and I'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. I do truly really get a kick out of hearing from you, so help me out. As I mentioned before, Toyota is helping drive towards a better world, and part of that better world is Toyota becoming a part of the Olympic Partner Program back in 2015. As the worldwide mobility partner, Toyota is committed to mobility as a source of inspiration and as a way to improve the quality of life for all. And as per that commitment, Toyota also became a worldwide Paralympic partner in 2015. And to take us into what that really means at Toyota and the wider sponsorship portfolio, we welcome Deidre DeLilly, Group Manager, Sponsorship Marketing at Toyota. Deidre has spent some time at two very well-known brands, Citigroup and TD Ameritrade, before joining Toyota as Group Manager, Olympic Paralympic Marketing, and then progressing to Group Manager, Sponsorship Marketing at Toyota. As you'll hear, Toyota doesn't see the Olympics and Paralympics as separate partnerships. Inside Toyota, if you say Olympics, you're expected to say and Paralympics as well. Here's Deidre. Deidre... We always start the show with a few icebreaker questions just to warm up, just to have a little bit of fun and for the listeners to get to know you a little bit. And in my research, I do a little bit of online stalking. I found out that you played NCAA D1 field hockey at the University of Maine. So your first icebreaker question that I have for you is, what's your most memorable moment on the hockey field? Wow, you did your research. Yes. So I, I was a black bear. I was a humane black bear and really proud of it. I think running out on that field with my black bear uniform on surrounded by this group of incredible women who became my family with chills running up and down my spine and just feeling like that was the only thing happening in the world at that moment. That was the most memorable for me every single week of the the season. And I look back at those days and, you know, reflect on those years with so much happiness and gratitude for being part of something that really prepared me for a career in sports and and a career in the corporate world. Sport does have that amazing ability to make the whole world melt away, make you feel very important, no matter what level of sport that you play in. So that sounds amazing. Now, also in my research, I saw that you said that one of your guilty pleasures is, and and this is, I quote, a Friday night on the couch, watching rom-coms for hours, sipping wine and crying as if the outcome is going to be a big surprise. End quote. So my second icebreaker question is, what's your favorite rom-com of all time and why? That's a great question. So I have two. I can't answer with just one. The first one, Jerry Maguire. So 
part sports, part love story, to be able to pull that off and marry the two, I think is spectacular. I can watch that a thousand times and still cry. The other one, maybe not such a rom-com, but I feel compelled to bring it up is Top Gun and not Top Gun Maverick, the original Top Gun circa 1986, I think it was. So I was nine years old, so I'm dating myself here, but my sister and I would come home from school every single day and watch the original Top Gun. We lost count, I think 23 or 26. And to this day, whenever I hear any of the lines of Top Gun, I automatically go back to my childhood um, and really try to kind of relish those moments with my sister. And I did watch Top Gun Maverick, loved it, but for me, nothing beats the original. Yeah, I, I agree. It's an iconic movie, even though the second one was very good as well. And as, as, as you're talking, I started to think back to my childhood. And for me, that was Star Wars. Every afternoon after school, it was Star Wars movies, Star Wars games, Star Wars toys. So yeah, I could definitely relate to that. Now let's get into the serious stuff, Toyota. We know that Toyota sponsors a lot of properties. It's a big global brand. So right across the globe, you've got engagement with markets and also in a lot of verticals. So it'd be great if you could give us a rundown on the breadth of that portfolio. What does that portfolio look like for you? So we have a robust portfolio, as you said, and we are in pretty much every vertical, I think, that you can be in from a sponsorship perspective. So within the U.S., and I oversee all of our U.S. partnerships as well as oversee with my friends in Japan, our Olympic, global Olympic, Paralympic partnership. So here in the U.S., we're 40, 50 properties, I think we're at. So sports, music, lifestyle, culinary outdoors and then we also have a roster of team toyota athletes and anglers that we sponsor so um you know i think we have a really overarching strategy that ties all of these verticals and all of these properties together um but do our best to ensure that we have a footprint really across the country and across all verticals talking about managing that footprint because the way you just described that was quite succinct but I can tell that underneath it's it's big and it's scary and maybe it could even be messy sometimes talk to us about how the team's set up to manage and activate the portfolio that you were just talking about sure so in the U.S. so we are organized by vertical so I have a team of folks who are focused on managing the sports vertical. So the sports pillar, then I have a team of folks who really kind of manage everything else. So outdoor lifestyle, culture, culinary. And then I actually have a third team who's maybe not a traditional sponsorship team, but manages really all of our events. So our more dealer facing auto shows, our marquee dealer facing events, like our, our national dealer meeting. Um, so kind of managed by pillar and did that really intentionally so that we could really kind of share best practices within the pillar, as well as try to be as efficient as possible, leveraging learnings as well as assets. Um, and, and then also, of course, sharing across the team. On the global side, so as I said, our global Olympic Paralympic partnership, so we're a top partner, have been since 2016, that's managed a bit differently. And so um, my team here in the US works really closely, really hand in hand with a counterpart team in Tokyo. And we manage that global Olympic and Paralympic partnership together. So we mobilize a team of people really from all over the globe. We kind of handpick folks in various marketing roles across the globe who kind of play a role as being the liaison for their countries, for their regions from a global Olympic and Paralympic partnership and, and really work together on, on a global effort. The really interesting thing, which I have not seen before um, in my experience is from a creative perspective. So we actually have tasked two agencies, Densu in Japan, and then Sachi and Sachi here in LA with creating our global body of work. So together collectively, they come to the table with a group of creative ideas, a global campaign. And before they even come to us, the client, they've actually worked very closely together to agree upon creative ideas, executions, ideas for asset development. And, um, you know, two of the biggest global agencies who are right, their competitors really being yeah. able to work together with the best interest of Toyota at the forefront has been a really cool thing to see. It does sound like it's cool because I was thinking the same thing. They're global competitors and they're not competing for small 
clients. So it's great to see them working together for uh, some good outcomes. So we know that sponsorship is part of the marketing mix. Can you talk to us about what role that does play for Toyota and how does sponsorship contribute? Because there's always multiple ways in your marketing to achieve marketing goals and objectives. Sponsorship's not the only way. A lot of different ways. You know, I think we look at sponsorship as being really a key lever in the marketing mix. And um, we think about it across really kind of the whole purchase funnel, right? So I think at the top of the funnel, really using sponsorship to drive awareness. Toyota certainly doesn't have an awareness issue, right? However, we do want to ensure that, you know, there is awareness and connection that Toyota is partnering with some of these big teams or leagues or athletes and really playing a role in creating a a better society. Then as you kind of move down the funnel, middle of the funnel is where I think the magic kind of happens. And that's where we're able to, through creating really unique experiences um, and creating emotional connections with consumers, that's where we're able to move people from liking Toyota to really loving Toyota. And so that's the place that we like to play to to get people to move into brand advocacy and and really become, you know, I think people who um, help us evangelize, you know, the brand. Um, And so we, we measure all of those things across that funnel. And then certainly the bottom of the funnel is important too. You know, we at, at events, at um, of course, in all of the creative work that we do, we are showcasing not just our vehicles. That's a, of course a important component of what we do from a marketing perspective. But we're also showcasing what we like to call as kind of Toyota's thinking way and the future of Toyota, which we have been on this transformative brand journey, moving from a car company to a mobility company. And we use sponsorship as a unique way of showcasing to people what we mean when we say we're a mobility company. So there's all these things happening behind the scenes in addition to, of course, manufacturing a bunch of really cool cars um, that, you know, we're creating to help people live a more full life. And from rehabilitation services to AI, you know, uh, work that's happening behind the scenes to robotics, there's a number of different mobility projects happening all to try and create a more meaningful world, a more a more meaningful society that Toyota plays a role in. And it is important work, particularly with uh, more sedentary lifestyles, less mobile populations, more densely packed cities, aging populations, those sorts of things. So it is important work and definitely a lot of people wouldn't realise that a lot of that is going on uh, alongside what you traditionally do of, of you know building and, and selling cars. Is there many differences or maybe nuances in regards to the objectives and goals Toyota's looking for from sponsorship across different regions? One of the reasons we entered into this global Olympic and Paralympic sponsorship is because we had a shared global vision, and that was all about becoming a mobility company. And one of the interesting things, if you've followed Toyota globally and some of the commercials that we've created, particularly around the Olympics and Paralympics, is that you've seen very few vehicles in any of the work that we've created with the Olympic or Paralympic marks. And that's been quite intentional. And that is because there has been this global vision, a, you know, a really long journey that we're on to become a mobility company and for people to kind of have these aha moments to say, oh, Toyota's not just about selling cars and trucks. They're about something so much more, so much more meaningful. And they're doing a lot more to, to create, you know, I think um, opportunities for people to live lives without, without barrier. And so I'd say at the, the highest level, that was one of that's really been the unifying power of the global Olympic and Paralympic partnership. Certainly at the regional level, yes, I think we all have our own unique goals, right? For me in the US, you know, I certainly have a set of goals where I have over 1,200 dealers in the United States who are trying to sell vehicles. And so we are, um, you know, those are my, my key stakeholders. So in addition to trying to move the brand, I also need to serve my stakeholders and that's our dealers at the end of the day and find ways to, um, to show them that we're providing value in terms of providing support, getting people to touch and feel our vehicles, to experience them and ultimately um, to get them to raise their hands to say, you know, they have intent to purchase and then ultimately purchase cars. So um, I think it's been cool to be able to have the leverage of a global partnership as well as these small, more maybe nimble partnerships here in the U.S. that, um, you know, we can leverage for various initiatives. I know you've mentioned the Global Olympic and Paralympic 
partnership. I'm very keen to get into a conversation around that. But as we transition a little bit more into the sports space, we know that sponsorship is largely about accessing audiences that would otherwise be hard or, or maybe harder or not as economical to reach by yourself. And we know that sports fans are passionate and they're very engaged, they're territorial. But what else makes sponsoring sports and athletes attractive to a company like Toyota? So like I said, it, it's not an awareness challenge, right, that we have at Toyota, but I, I see sports as the ultimate equalizer. I think it puts it puts all of us on the same playing field, right? Sports transcends gender, socioeconomic status, language, geographical location. And it's something that just unifies people in a similar manner. And that's really special and that's hard to find anywhere else. So yes, it's about making emotional connections with people. You know, we go to events, we support teams, and there are often times where we see, you know, people who light up because they know that Toyota is a sponsor and, you know, they feel this level of, um, you know, I think um, loyalty to Toyota because we're sponsoring something that they really care about. And so it's this connection point that it's very hard to replicate anywhere else. The other really interesting thing, and I was just looking at some data yesterday about the importance of sports, at least in the U.S., it's only growing, right? And I think COVID certainly changed that. Um, I think COVID was a springboard for um, sports, um, uh, the commitment to sports, the interest in sports, um, both participatory and as well as, you know, from an audience perspective. And one of the things that we saw in looking at, and this is looking at all sports fans, looking at millennials, looking at all ages, is that from pre-COVID to post-COVID, because people were so devoid of sports and they were missing what sports brought to them, we have seen huge leaps in people, you know, I think looking to engage in sports, participate in sports, more willing to pay to attend an event, pay to see their team or an athlete, you know, that they're a fan of. So, you know, I think there's never been a better time to be in sports. Um, and it's, it's just a way to communicate with someone with a shared passion point. And we see a lot of power in doing that. Oh, I think it's a great point about the unifying aspect of sport and how it, it, it transcends various levels of how people might be, for want of a better word, segregated around the world, whether that's you know economic reasons or geographical reasons. Uh, I, I think you make a very, very good point. We know that Toyota has a strong presence around the Olympics and the Paralympics, and you've alluded to it a, a number of times. Of all the properties available to Toyota to invest in around the world, particularly in sport, why choose to be a global Olympic slash Paralympic partner? Great question. So the timing was right, and the organic connection to our brand is really it's it's there. So we entered into this partnership around 2016. At that time, we made the announcement that we were a, mo a mobility company, not moving to one. We are a mobility company. And so there is this connection to the Olympics and even more so, I think, the Paralympics. As you think about, you know, I think what we are trying to create as an organization is this idea of being a mobility company. There's a lot of tenants that I think live within the Paralympics that are very much aligned with what we stand for um, at Toyota. So, you know, I think in the Paralympic movement, Paralympic athletes, if you think about mobility, right, I think mobility is key, not just to Paralympic athletes, to, to Olympic athletes, mobility is key to, to success. And we had kind of, we have two core tenants of our Olympic and Paralympic global partnership. Um, one is ever better mobility for all. The other one is an ever better society. So, you know, it's about creating products, solutions, tools to create a more inclusive society where everyone can live their fullest lives. And so if you think about particularly Paralympic athletes, you know, again, they they live and breathe the, that. And, you know, I think so from a brand perspective, a business perspective, there was just a really clear alignment uh, between our our, our brands. And then, you know, I think we, the other thing that Toyota talks a lot about, and it's not just words on paper is, is respect for people. It's one of the values that we really rally around globally. And, um, that's something, you know, I think that being able to support all people, all athletes and being able to do so in a really inclusive and accessible way has been important to us. And that's a great demonstration of being able to do that. And, and even the mobility being heightened in terms of importance for Paralympic athletes, but there's also potentially that second 
sort of target audience that you can engage with because it integrates into the mobility and the quality of life. And a lot of you know these athletes have uh, partners, wives, husbands, children, parents. Some of them have more hands-on carers. And so it's not just about the athlete. It's about the quality of life for everybody around them, right? That, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think our Start Your Impossible campaign, if you've seen our campaign globally, that is our Olympic and Paralympic campaign. It is, it's more than a campaign. It's actually a global corporate initiative that has been adopted by Toyota. And it's really about inspiring team members, consumers, partners, customers, everyone, you know, to connect to the core beliefs of Toyota. And that's about creating the society that is more inclusive. I was just talking with one to one of our athletes yesterday, a Paralympic athlete who made a comment about the fact that a lot of the work that we've created includes Paralympic athletes, but it's not focused on their disability. It's focused on the fact that a Paralympic athlete is another type of person that's being featured in a commercial or in assets. And we're not focused on trying to make them inspiring or, you know, I think hone in on what their disability is and what they've had to overcome. We're honing in on the fact that they're just badass athletes and they should yeah. be celebrated as such. And so I think that's been a really interesting distinction and something that we have embraced at, at Toyota. And it's, I know here in the U S at least we have seen a kind of a swell of, of support with other not just Olympic and Paralympic partners, but advertisers who are starting to integrate, you know, folks with disabilities in really mainstream advertising, which I just love to see. I love that comment about focusing on them just being badass athletes because I remember, I think it was London, what was the London Olympics, 2004, 12, sorry, yes, 2012. I think Greece was 2004, uh, 2012, and I remember some of the uh, promotion around it uh, for the Paralympics was using the song from uh, Public Enemy, uh, Harder Than You Think. And every time I fell in love with that song all over again, and every time I, I listen to it, I think, yeah, they're pretty hard. They're badass athletes in their own right, regardless of whether you need to you know, discuss their, their disability. But in saying that, you support over 250 badass Paralympians how do you ensure that that support is authentic? Because you support the sector as a whole, but individual sports might, well, they, they almost definitely do. They want different things and their athletes have different needs and, and also they have competing views and market positions and appeal and reach and all those sorts of things. How do you sort through all of that and make sure that you look after everyone? It's a huge undertaking, but it's definitely one of the best parts of my job. I can say that. So just to clarify, we sponsor about 250 Olympic and Paralympic athletes together. It's about a 50-50 split. So it's it's about investing energy, time, effort into really getting to know the athletes that we're going to sponsor. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. We do not enter into agreements lately. We do not see these as sponsorships. We truly look at these as true reciprocal partnerships. And um, it's not about, you know, creating this transactional agreement. It is about finding athletes we know share the same passion, the same values, the same vision that we do, and that they want to be part of the Toyota family. We, we, if you ask any Team Toyota athlete, if they feel like they're part of the family, I would hope they would all say yes, because I think we have invested a great deal of time and effort in making sure that the athletes have built a team amongst themselves and feel camaraderie and support amongst themselves, but of course, also, you know, of the hundreds of thousands of team members across the U.S. that are part of Toyota. So in the U.S., so the way that we manage our athlete roster in the Olympics and Paralympics is each region is really responsible for bringing on their respective team of athletes. So they know their athletes the best. They have the opportunity to engage with them the best. And so here in the U.S., I can certainly speak to our process. We spend about eight months carefully and thoughtfully vetting the athletes we invite to be part of Team Toyota. It is part art, part science, but it's really a methodical process. And um, we make sure that the day that we sign that contract, we feel 100% confident that that athlete is going to feel like they are truly part of the Toyota family. And so, um, you know, we, we start with the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. We go to the national governing bodies. We talk to agents. We talk to other athletes. And we really do our due diligence to make sure it's going to be a good fit, both 
from an athlete perspective as well as a Toyota brand perspective. I love listening to you speak about how you get to know the athletes individually. You spend a lot of time embedding them, getting to know them, because it's clearly not just a marketing play. It's corporate social responsibility as well. We know that sponsorship is part of marketing and there's there's always a focus on, on the hard sort of economic and, and, and business outcomes. But your approach must make you immensely proud when you see these people have success on the international stage. You have no idea. I, I will cry because I feel like these folks are part of my family. I mean, they've, they've become true friends of mine. And, you know, I think it's people that I care about and I know care about me. So yes, it is, it is so much more than this transactional relationship. And I, when you become truly embedded in one another's lives, it also just becomes easier and it becomes a much more seamless relationship. And so it's not us having to go to an athlete and say, you didn't post X amount of times this month. They want to do it because they're so invested in the brand and they care so much about us and about our product and about our vision that they're just doing it because it's something that they, they want to do. And so it really becomes, um, a, a special relationship. And yes, I have been uh, at the finish line or, you know, at competitions crying and hugging athletes and feeling so much pride to just have the opportunity to play such a small role in the, the lives of these athletes, but they, they have such gratitude for, for the role that, you know, we've been able to play in their lives as well. It does sound amazing. You've spoken about how Toyota is a mobility company, but mobility is not necessarily uh, a, a value. Focusing in on the Paralympian athletes, how does sponsoring those people align with the values of Toyota as a brand? Because it's an important consideration, isn't it? It's not just about doing good work and, and helping them do well. There has to be values Absolutely. aligned. Absolutely, yes. So I, in that process and back to the process, the vetting process, you know, we, one, we talk to others, but we also, we talk with the athletes, we do interviews and we ask them point blank, why do you want to be part of Toyota? And what do you think you share in terms of the vision that you have um, of Toyotas. And so we have a, a really direct discussion about that. And it's about wanting to play a role and have a voice in the Olympic and Paralympic movement and as a Toyota ambassador around inclusivity, around the role, you know, that sport can play in advancing people's lives um, and really understanding what we mean when we say we are a mobility company. So, you know, I think it's, it's really just about having a set of shared values that fit well with Toyota. The other thing that's really important is that we we want athletes that want to be part of the team. And that's a really important aspect of being part of Team Toyota. We have athletes do virtual appearances. We, we're planning here in just about a month bringing all of our Team Toyota U.S. athletes together. We're hosting a Toyota Team USA Day. We're celebrating all of the athletes with all of our team members. So it is wanting to to be part of something bigger, you know, than just kind of being part of the Olympics and Paralympics and, and being part of the Toyota family. So it's, um, it's a ask of, of the athletes, but I think the return for them is, is something that I hope is, is really worth it. I've got a little bit of a curly question for you because as you were talking there and you made some comments earlier about, uh, inclusion, there's a little bit of a challenge in sponsoring Paralympic athletes because, Clearly, we're focused on inclusion, but the the Paralympics is a standalone event in its own right. It would gain uh, huge engagement uh, if it was run, say, every two years in between a an Olympics. But it is a, a standalone event, but we are also trying to treat athletes just as athletes, irrespective of whether they're at the Olympics or or the Paralympics. So is there much integration across those other sectors or, or are, are Paralympics and, and those sponsorships, do they get managed a little bit and, and activated in a silo? Definitely not in a silo. I, I would say, I think the there's power in being able to draft off the power of the Olympic brand for the Paralympics. And so I think what we really try to do is fully integrate Paralympic athletes and our Paralympic work together with that of the Olympic athletes and the Olympic work. And so, you know, I think obviously everyone is, is well aware of the Olympics and well aware of, of Olympic athletes. So we, 
take a very deliberate approach of trying to really connect the Paralympics with the Olympics um, to try to get people to think about the Paralympics when they think Olympics. And I say that all the time. When you say Olympics, that's one of the rules at Toyota. When we talk about Olympics, you better say and Paralympics. So it's always Olympics and Paralympics. It's always Olympic and Paralympic athletes. So it's making this connection that it truly is an extension of the Olympics and it should be seen as such. And here in the U.S., I know we've made a lot of progress working with, you know, media partners, um, really just trying to get more exposure, more live streaming, you know, athletes in commercials and social media. And we're seeing a, a huge uptick um, in exposure for these athletes. So I think there's a ton of value in continuing to make the connection with the Olympics. I think that's how you get the scale and the awareness that Paralympians deserve. Excellent. Great answer. Uh, social media, it's an omnipresent asset in sponsorships these days because pretty much it's a, it's a, you know, it, it's a consistent in our lives. A lot of people, the first thing they do is uh, when they wake up in the morning, they reach for their phone and they turn on social media. I'm not sure that's necessarily healthy listeners, but how does Toyota approach social media in sponsorship, especially when you need to consider what the wider marketing and comms teams are doing with social media because it's not a small organization. You've got a lot of competing marketing priorities, right? Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's core to everything we do, right? So we treat it in, a, I think, a couple different ways. Um, so one sort of sort of as a standalone, and in the U.S., we have an actual a Teen Toyota set of handles, so a specific audience of folks who are interested in our Teen Toyota athletes. And so we'll push a lot of athlete-focused content out through those channels, knowing that audience really is interested in, in hearing and seeing that. But then the, the way to make social media most effective and, and to leverage sponsorship, in my opinion, is to make sponsorship be seen as, as a key lever in the marketing mix. And so how can sponsorship play a role in uplifting or elevating, whether it's a, a model launch? Are we launching you know, the new Tundra? Or do we have a new brand campaign? And can athletes play a role in some way to help elevate that or maybe bring a new audience, a new, a new set of you know, eyes to some of the work that maybe we wouldn't be able to reach in a mainstream way. And so I think that's how you're successful. You, you can't do it alone. You can't do it in a silo. You have to make your partnerships and your athletes a necessary component of, of the marketing mix, or it's, it's just not going to be successful. And so it's not an easy thing to do. I'm not going to say we've perfected it, but that is, that, that's what we try to do to try to be a voice in the bigger marketing initiative conversations to say, Hey, we have assets, we have athletes, we have properties that can help you in a really big way, reach a new audience and a really engaged audience that you wouldn't have been able to reach elsewhere. It's interesting the approach having dedicated handles for athletes, et cetera, because the wider community can engage and play a really important role with helping lift all of the athletes up, Paralympics and Olympics, irrespective of whether they drive a Toyota or would even consider driving a Toyota or even have a car. Yeah. So I think the good news is so with the the kind of the audience that we have that is tailored to Team Toyota, you know, we can inundate them with social content around our athletes, around our properties, and they don't get sick of us. So that's the great news. But we absolutely use our social content um, with the kind of mass market and bigger audiences, but are a little bit more selective about how we do that. And you have to balance that with all of the other messages that you need to put into the marketplace. But yes, absolutely. There's a huge, huge role for sponsorship within our more traditional marketing channels as well. You talk about balance there. Another important element of managing sponsorships and activating sponsorships is being flexible. And we know all too well, we still talk about COVID from time to time. We know all too well that major events have had date changes over the past few years. How did you and, and how do you still stay flexible and manage significant change like that in, in what is a pretty big portfolio? Yeah, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's it's hard. And there were moments. I will I'll never forget this day, March 24th. Uh, woke up that morning. My world was rocked. It was um, the day in which the, the Olympics were postponed, the Tokyo Olympics. That day is 
imprinted in my brain. It was four months prior to the games and we had everything in place. We had a global regional creative all locked in. We had our media plans confirmed. I mean, event planned, a global uh, launch event. We had hospitality programs finalized. It was, it was done. We were cruising along really well. And then boom, it was a Saturday morning. We got slammed with that news. And I remember thinking, okay, I just need a moment, <laughs> you know, a moment to take this in, process this, and then we need to go into solutions oriented mode. And, and that's what we did. We, you know, we came to kind of a fork in the road and said we could panic and, you know, we could just stop and basically reuse or redo everything we had planned, or we can use this as a gift. You, you are very few times in your life, right? Do you get a gift of time? And we had that. So we had a whole extra year to plan and we decided we were going to use that that gift of time to do more, to do better. And, um, and I think we did. So that was a really good learning for us. And I, I remember thinking if we can do this on a global stage, we can be nimble, we can be flexible on a global stage. We got this when it comes to our local activations and partnerships. So, you know, I think it, I have an amazing team of people who are nimble, who are flexible. They're super innovative and things are changing all the time. They still are. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's a mindset. It's just a mindset that we're going to figure it out. We are always going to do the right thing for the business and it's not always going to be perfect. And that's, that's okay. Sometimes there's really interesting things that come out of imperfection. And we've learned that over the last couple of years as well. Yeah, I think it's an important point because I always say to people, if you wait for something to be perfect, you'll be waiting a long time. You might as well just, just get moving. Well, well done, because you sound very stoic. I, I, I think I would have probably cried, then yelled, then got angry, then gone back to crying. It probably would have taken me a while to get to uh, solution mode. <laughs> oh, those things happen. Believe me, those things definitely happen. There was also some wine involved. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Well, let's move Let's move to, to data. What, what part does data play in your sponsorships? And I'm interested in how you use your own data, because you're a big company you'd be colliding and, and collecting a lot of data as well. But then how do you use that uh, and integrate it with, with data from other parties, whether that be rights holders or other third parties like uh, the, the marketing companies that you work with? It's a great question. And it is a continued evolution. I'll say that. <laughs> you know, there is so much data coming in. We have so many data sources, internal, external, it's sometimes really difficult to digest it all and and then make it applicable to you know to to learnings and to applications. So it plays a critical role in our decision making. I think it it's the holy grail, right? Is is getting to an ROI when it comes to sponsorship. I think we're we're there in some at some points and we're not there in, in other properties, but um we look at it across, again, across kind of the whole funnel. So at the top of the funnel, we're measuring, you know, awareness and we're doing that through third-party research. We're doing that through our own set of brand measurements. Mid-funnel, it's about optimizing what we call fandom. Again, a lot of that's brand research um, and understanding how we're moving some of the key brand metrics, you know, when it comes to consideration and loyalty to the brand. And, and then at the bottom of the funnel, you know, it's about obviously conversion. And so we do a lot of work to understand who has attended our events, what has their experience been like, and has there been a point in which those consumers have, you know, actually purchased a vehicle. Again, it's not perfect science, but I think we do a really good job directionally of understanding perception at each level of the funnel, as well as, um, you know, I think consumer intent and, and then, you know, ultimately purchase. So it, it's, we have scorecards, we, for each of our properties, the ultimate goal for me is to be able to say, if we have one extra dollar to invest, and I look across the whole portfolio of partnerships, where am I going to garner the most value? And so can I answer that question? Directionally, I think so. Yes, today. Can it get better? Absolutely. So it's really about trying to at least provide some level of continuity across all of the properties that we have. And they're all different, right? I think you activate partnerships in a very different way. Some are really heavy on media. Some are, you know, more social or digital driven. Some are more event based. But that is something that we put a lot of rigor around is trying to have some level of uniformity in the way in which we're measuring each of our properties. So at the end of the day, 
if we need to reduce or we, we have the opportunity to add uh, incremental investment, we have a pretty good idea of where that those dollars should come or, or go. When you talk about loyalty, because it's important for a big brand like Toyota and, and measuring it, for those who don't really operate in that space, either on the brand side or, or maybe they're they're a rights holder, and you know, loyalty towards sports teams is pretty much just just a, a, a given. It just it just stays there. It's a it's a constant, no matter how bad the team goes. What do you see? What do you get? Do you get something that's that's similar to a like it score? Do you get a percentage, or or is it something else? What do you get? How do you tell whether somebody's loyal or not? Yeah, it's, it's, it's often a, a percentage, um, kind of along a scale of loyalty or brand advocacy. We, we often all even call it, you know, fandom. We have kind of a metric internally that we use, which is brand fandom. And it's kind of the level in which a, a consumer is, is loyal or has a commitment or a love and an advocacy for your brand. And so, you know, it can span from, yeah, I like Toyota, I'm, I'm a fan, all the way to I will never buy another vehicle in my entire life unless it's a Toyota. And so it's kind of a continuum that we look at like that. And, um, and so we get a pretty good sense of after consumers have experienced our brand through sponsorship, through an event, through engagement with, you know, one of our athletes, if we're able to move, you know, any of those metrics. And that's, that's the way that we really look at it is creating these more uniquely Toyota engaging experience, getting people to a higher level of loyalty on that brand spectrum. I just wanted to touch on that point because I think for those who are listening, who are rights holders, it's an important point for them to understand because, there's generally two sort of big buckets of revenue for a, a company. There's 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 new customers coming into the top of the funnel. They might be people that have never purchased a or Toyota before, or maybe returning customers. But then there's those who are loyal to the brand. And 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 what we need to do it for those different those different audiences can can really be different. So I just wanted to make that little subtle point for rights holders and, and hear from somebody like you from a brand about. You know, why that data is important and, and how you measure it and what it looks like when it comes across your desk. In terms of yeah. reporting, do you dictate what you want reported a, a lot and, and, and how it's reported from the properties that you sponsor? Or, or do you, are you a little bit more loose and let them sort of present what they think is important based on what you've told them your objectives and your goals are for the partnership? So I'm a very analytical, data-driven sponsorship type. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'll say I'm definitely open to new ways of thinking and certainly open if a, a partner has an idea of, you know, how we can measure value. However, we do have a standardized set of KPIs and data requirements that we request our partners to provide. And again, that's back to this idea of being able to compare and contrast values across partnerships in some consistent way is, is it's really critical for us to make our decisions. So of course, it's never going to be an apples to apples comparison because, because as we know, each sponsorship is unique, but um, I, I do like to have a set of standardized data that allows me to look across the entire portfolio. Definitely open to new ways. I think there are always new and innovative ways to measure value. Um, and again, I think as more assets are included as, you know, partnerships and activations evolve, there has to be an evolution in the way in which we're measuring. But I, I certainly like to have at least a baseline standardized set of KPIs. Seeing that you weren't able to give me just one answer for the rom-com question, I'm guessing that this next question is going to be a little bit difficult for you, but let's roll with it anyway. What's been your favorite activation from Toyota? What was it and what made it so special? What made it so good? It's an easy one, actually. So I talked a little bit about our, our commitment to Paralympics and this fervent belief in, in helping create mobility solutions and breaking down barriers. And we talk about providing freedom of movement for everyone. And so our commitment to the Paralympic movement has been really organic. And so in May of 2021, my team launched for the first time ever a really history-making program, and we offered monetary support and sponsorship opportunities to every single U.S. Paralympic athlete that competed in Tokyo or Beijing. So we started with an initial commitment of $5 million, and um, we had about 97% of all U.S. Paralympic athletes that competed in those games funded in some way by Toyota. 
So this was a pinch yourself moment for me and sponsorship because it was not just saying we support Paralympic athletes, it was actually doing it and it was showing it in a really tangible way. So we were able to offer stipends to all of the athletes that were really kind of in the pipeline of the Paralympics. And then once those athletes actually qualified for the Paralympic team, they then actually became Team Toyota athletes. So imagine doing it was something like 500 sponsorship agreements once those athletes qualified for the games. I have an amazing sports marketing agency. I'm going to give them a plug, MKTG, who helped facilitate almost 500 contracts in the matter of days to make sure we could bring all of those Paralympic athletes into the family. Wow. That is, uh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Are there any emerging areas of sponsorship that Toyota is considering at the moment or keeping an eye on or, or any trends that you think are really exciting in the space? So I, I, I can talk personally. I, I mean, I'm always looking in the space and NIL for me, you know, name, image and likeness in the collegiate sports space is very, very interesting. Uh, we have dabbled a bit at Toyota, have not really invested in the NIL space, but it's something that I certainly keep an eye on. I think it's very interesting to see. It's kind of all over the map. It seems like the Wild West, frankly, <laughs> right now. And, you know, I think as a pretty conservative company, when it comes to entering into these type of agreements and making sure, as I said, it took us eight months to, you know, to finalize agreements with athletes, we want to, we're pretty risk averse. And so we want to be sure that any athlete we're entering into an agreement with is not going to, you know, bring us any brand reputational risk. And so I think from a, a brand perspective, it's, it's a little scary, frankly, kind of moving into that space because these are young, you know, kids who haven't had a lot of experience. However, on the upside, there is a lot of incredible young athletes out there who have an amazing voice and are very mature and can handle themselves quite well. So that's, that's one of the things I know I'm, I'm personally weighing and trying to really kind of figure out, but, um, collegiate sports is, it's a huge growing evolving space that I think you'd be remiss if, if you didn't focus on here in the States. It's an interesting comment because I, I get what I think you're saying around some amazing athletes that are out there that you could definitely help and, and there would be a good partnership, but there's also the risk they're young, they're impressionable. Young people don't always make the great decisions. But as you were as you were talking, I just started thinking about all the adult athletes who make bad decisions and, and end up in the papers and the media and on TV. You <laughs> are absolutely on. right. I, I agree with you. You know, I think the the other challenge for us is, you know, as I said, is we we like to enter into really long term relationships with athletes. And so I think getting involved with an athlete, and I'm not saying we, we won't, I think it's a really interesting space, but getting involved with an athlete in in the collegiate space. You know, I think you just have to make sure that you're you're kind of in it with them and for the for the long term. And so we're very much about building long lasting long term relationships and growing with athletes. So it would just have to be the right athlete for us. But I think it's ripe for opportunity. Yeah, I would agree. And I think one of the challenges you potentially have is if you're looking for long term partnerships, they're generally going to be the athletes that are touted by everybody to go on and do great things. And so there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of uh, uh, people trying to vie for their, their their attention. So it makes a little bit of a difficult space. But, you know, you're a marketer yourself. You know that there's not always advantages in being the in being the first mover. You can be the second mover. You can be the follower into a space and, and still reap the reward. So we'll, we'll watch that space uh, with interest. Deidre, many people would look at big brands like Toyota for best practice and inspiration, and rightly so. You do amazing work right around the globe, and that real sort of meshing together of sponsorship outcomes, but also the corporate social social responsibility and, and, and lifting Olympians and Paralympians up is amazing. But how do you try and stay up to date yourself and be inspired yourself on the sponsorship front? So I feel very blessed to be in this industry because it is such a close-knit group of people who watch out for each other, who share. This industry is the best, right? I know I'm not I'm not talking to someone who would disagree. You know, so I just I try to network. It's that's probably number one is continue to network, talk to as many people as I can, learn from as many people 
as I can in the industry, outside the industry. I read a lot in the sports world, the sports business journal. I listen to a lot of podcasts like yours. Sports Geek is another one that I listen to a lot. It's another Australian podcast. I, I stay just really connected to the people that are in this space. I ask a ton of questions. I am very deliberate about making sure I'm attending events and conferences. I try to speak at a number of events so that I can engage with other leaders that are in the space. Um, I read ad week uh, really religiously. I go to things like South by Southwest. So, you know, I think it's just about trying to make time because it's very important to try to make that time to be present in the space and be open to learning and listening. Sean Callanan from Sports Geek will be very chuffed that you're a listener. I'll be sure to pass that on because I speak to Sean from, from time to time. So I'll be sure to mention oh, that Oh, that's to great. You. All right, let's round this up for you. Deidre, it's been a great chat. If people want to get in touch, connect with you, find out more about what Toyota is doing in the sponsorship space, uh, keep the conversation going, what can they do? Where can they go to find out more and connect? I would love to connect with anyone out there that's interested. Follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Delilly D. You can connect me, with me on LinkedIn or you can even shoot me an email, Deidre.Delilly at Toyota.com. Outstanding. And we will put links to all those in the show notes at CoreSoftware.com. Deidre Delilly, Group Manager, Sponsorship Marketing. Thank you so much for taking us inside sponsorship at Toyota. Thank you so much. It was a great chat. I really appreciate it. Such a great approach and attitude to sponsorships. And I love how we've often thought of Toyota as a car company, but they are now leveraging their sponsorships to help position themselves and ensure that they are known as a mobility company. If you're keen to follow their progress, simply head to toyota.com. And of course, you can connect with Deidre on LinkedIn. Just search for Deidre, that's D-E-D-R-A, Delilly, D-E-L-I-L-L-I, or, of course, there's also a link in the show notes for this episode at coresoftware.com. Finally, if you'd like a shout-out, just want to connect and say hi, I would totally love to hear from you. Please do connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston. That's O-Y-S-T-O-N. That's a wrap for episode 119. Until next time, I'm Daniel Oyston. Thanks for listening to Inside Sponsorship. Thanks for listening to the show. For more episodes and to subscribe to the show, search for Inside Sponsorship on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Also, for more free industry-specific resources, including blogs, ebooks, white papers, and our Insights newsletter, head to coresoftware.com. Finally, be sure to follow Core Software on Twitter and LinkedIn.